Hey, good morning, West Hills Church. It is so good to be with you in your homes worshiping this morning. Man, I want you to know how thankful I am that God has allowed us to partner together in this city. I've known Pastor Jay for a long time. He probably doesn't even remember this, but I first met Jay Smith when he was about 12 or 13 years of age. He was dunking over his brother Josh on an eight-foot goal outside the parking lot of the First Baptist Church Bluegrass. And so it might have been the last time he ever dunked on Josh. I don't know. But listen, I love your pastor. He has a heart for the city, a heart for the kingdom, a heart for prayer, a move of the Lord. So I'm just so thankful for you, Pastor Jay. Love you very, very much. Just an honor to be with you guys today in a time of worship and study of the Word. And man, I thank God for Pastor TC and our worship and praise team. Can you all right now in your home, can you just give it up for our praise and worship team today in your home? Give somebody a high five. That was amazing. You know, this is what I love about TC. The guy has an anointing on his life, but he's so, so humble. And he always gives glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And great joy to walk with Genevieve, uh, one of the sweetest spirit people on the planet. So you guys are so blessed to have this ministry team at West Hills Church. You know, um, oftentimes we uh, take road trips. Maybe you've been on one recently. Uh, my wife and I got away earlier in the summer, and uh, we went down to one of our favorite places in Charleston, South Carolina. We love the seafood down there. Uh, there's a place called Hyman's. You've never been to Charleston, you need to go to Hyman's Seafood House. And uh, we love all the history there in town and the carriage rides. We stay not too far away in a place called Folly Beach. Never been to Folly Beach, you need to check that out. There's a place called the Blue Dog Cafe, an amazing breakfast there that'll really bless you. But you know, we're on this journey uh, going down to Charleston and I am thoroughly convinced that my GPS Siri on my cell phone had COVID-19. Why do I believe this? Because she was so slow and behind. I was driving and she said, get off on exit 72 and there it would go. Get off on Washington Street and there it would go. And so over and over and over again, Siri kept saying this in a very mechanical voice to me, recalculating, recalculating. Maybe you've been in that place and about the fifth time I was ready to recalculate her you know, out the window of the car. And, uh, but you know, I feel like uh, we're on this journey that we kept experiencing some detours. And, and if I'm just transparent and honest with you this morning, man, this is exactly how I've been feeling as a lead pastor since mid-March. Uh, let me kind of tell you my journey. I grew up right here in Knoxville, my hometown, uh, close to Sono Taco, if you know where that's at. I'm, I'm a South Knoxville man. And so I love my city. I've done ministry literally around the world but God will not release me from my city, my hometown. I'm convinced that God is going to bring about a great revival, a spiritual awakening to Knoxville, Tennessee, the mountains of East Tennessee in our lifetimes, and we get to be a part of something just like this. I've been praying for it for 25 years now. And so, um, man, as I thought about this journey that the Lord had me on, um, God has blessed me with the, the joy, the opportunity of being the founding pastor, the lead pastor of a church called North Star that you guys worshiped in, I think, last weekend. Matter of fact, I saw some of you guys there. And so about 18 years ago, we started as a small prayer group in somebody's backyard on Westland Drive. And then the rest is history. But about 18 years ago, I was walking on the piece of land where our worship center is now. It was wooded at that time. And I came to the front of the property, and I could hear the interstate traffic. I couldn't see it, but I could hear it. And as I was standing there praying, I was just doing the Joshua thing. I said, Lord, give me everywhere I set my foot for your name and for your glory. God gave me what I believe to be a vision, 
of a worship center right there on that place. And so about two and a half years ago, man, we made plans. We were ramping up financially to try to, to build this brand new worship center to allow us to continue to grow and reach people with the gospel of Christ. And so then about six months ago, I mean, we were inviting people. We had hundreds of people invited. Our team was preparing and ramping up. On January the 19th, 2020, we opened the doors of the worship center for the very first time, and it was absolutely amazing. People were flooding into the building. We packed it out, not once, but twice. We That day had our largest one-time gathering in the history of North Star. And more than that, the Spirit of God moved with the power of the Word, and we saw 57 Seven people give their heart to Jesus on that very first weekend. Fast forward three weekends. Bam. COVID hits. It all shuts down. I feel like I've been on a spiritual detour that God, for some reason or another, has taken me the long way around. Anybody feel like that right now? I feel like we are on a spiritual detour. And so as I begin to pray to the Lord and say, you know, God, this is not what I saw coming. This is not what I really wanted. Uh, I don't like it. And, and, but the Lord is trying to help me understand that there's always direction and purpose in the divine detours of my life. It led me to ask some tough questions. Here's one of them. I asked God, and I asked myself, would I continue to say yes to God if I knew where it would lead me? I wouldn't like. Maybe that's where you are. Would, would you continue to say yes to God if you knew that you're not going to like where it leads you? I started to ask this question. Is where God leading me right now? Is this a divine detour? Is this from heaven? Is this from the Father? I ask a third question. Would I continue to follow the Lord and lead well even if it would be harder, slower, and take longer? And these are the questions I've been wrestling with. And so today's message is just called Divine Detours. I'm going to take you on a very familiar journey in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus chapters 13 and 14. So I hope you have a copy of the Bible with you today. You can find it on your phone or on your iPad. I'm an old school preacher. I just love the hard copy of the Word. I'm reading from the NIV today. And so I just want to remind you of a very familiar storyline of how God used His servant Moses to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt after 437 years of bondage. But here's the subtitle of the message. Three reasons why we can trust the detours of life. Three reasons why we can trust the detours of life. Before we dig deep into the Word, pray with me. Father, Lord, we love and bless you. We praise you today. God, thank you for the Bible, this treasure book that we believe is your love letter to us. We believe it to be inspired, infallible. Lord, we believe that your word says about itself that it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates the deep recesses of our minds, our hearts, our lives today. Father, your word says that it will never return void. And so I pray that right now, Holy Spirit, you would be our teacher, our interpreter, our guide Lord, I pray that you would illuminate our eyes and our minds. Lord, allow these words to jump off the written page into the deep places of our hearts today. God, I pray that you would remind us of who you are and who we are as sons and daughters of the King. Change us today as we take a little time to marinate in your word. We pray it in the sweet name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Three reasons why we can trust the divine detours of our life. Number one, it's always part of God's plan. 
So I want you to look at, if you will, at, at Exodus 13, verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Make a middle note of that. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So, verse 18, God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. Did you see the detour there? It says that God did not lead them through the countryside of the Philistines. Though that was the shorter way, God was taking them the long way around. This was a divine detour. Why was He doing it? He had a plan in all of this. It didn't make sense to them at the moment. It might not make the sense to you today what you're going through. But here's the deal. God wanted them to understand He was trying to deliver them from them. One of the sweetest things that the Lord will ever do for you is deliver you from you. Deliver us from us. Notice what he says here. Why did God take them the long way around? Because he says if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. He knew that wasn't best for them. He knew that their fear would lead them to make choices and decisions that wouldn't honor him. And so this detour was something that God was using to deliver them from themselves. It also was something that God used to bring glory to himself. Chapter 14, verse 1 says... Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Piharath between Migdal and the sea. And they are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. And Pharaoh will think, watch this now, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. That Watch what happens. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all this army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Oftentimes, when we're walking through the divine detours of our life, God is trying to deliver us from us, but He's also attempting to bring glory to Himself. You know, this is one thing that God will never share. He'll share His Word. He'll share His Holy Spirit. He'll share financial resources. He'll share all kinds of things with you, blessing of all kinds, but He will never share His glory. God's all about glory for Himself. And so these divine detours that you're walking through, that I'm walking through, that we're all walking through, it definitely is part of God's plan for you and for me. I hope you realize that at this moment. Second thing I want you to know, that, that divine detours not only are part of God's plan, but they always have purpose. Just, just turn to someone in your small group right now, in your living room, somebody beside you, and just say the details and the detours of God in your life always has purpose. It always has a purpose. I want to show you two or three here real quick in chapter 14. First of all, verse 10, it says, As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, they looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Could I share with you this morning, West Hills Church, listen to me, that, that the detours of God in your life are trying to bring you completely to the end of yourself. I back up in my early days of pastoring, I had a, a, an older pastor friend, a mentor, who came to see me in a church I was pastoring in Lenore City. He took me out to the Dairy Queen. You know, we were going to get one of those dilly bars, you know. You love those dilly bars. You can be blessed when you're eating a dilly bar. So we're in the parking lot of the, of the Dairy Queen in Lenore City. And this pastor turned and looked at me and he said, Scott, I'm going to say something to you. And you're not going to fully understand it now, but one day you will. And so he says, I'm going to speak this into your life. 
He says, you are never going to be used greatly by God until you come completely to the end of yourself. Man, it was like a dagger in my heart. I didn't fully understand it, but I knew there was significant wisdom and truth there. You know, most of us as Christ followers are on this journey, that the Lord is trying His very best to bring us completely to the end of ourselves so that He can use us for His glory. And so you see this in this moment. They were terrified. They had nowhere else to turn. They cried out to the Lord. The second thing that I, I see here is it leads us to complete dependence on the Lord and the Lord alone. Look at verse 13. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. Stand still, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. You know, uh, I share with my staff this past week. You know the difference about this season than any other season of my life? I'm 57 now, going to be 58 this fall. And so I've been in full-time ministry since right out of college, 35 years. And so you know what's different about this season than any other season of my life? The answer is this. There is absolutely no one to turn to but God. You see, in the past, we could always say, oh, wow, you have this struggle, this problem. Well, this pastor has this all figured out. This church is a great model for this. This parachurch ministry has seven steps to get you out. Oh, the local government, our national government, we always have somebody to turn to. There's always somebody to ask. There's always a professional. But in this season, there's nobody to turn to but God. And I say hallelujah to that. I think this is where God's been trying to get us from the very beginning, to bring us completely to the very end of ourselves and to bring us to a place where we completely trust in God alone. Wow. There's a third quick thing here I see is it moves God into action. Look at verse 14. It says, The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I think about Psalm 46.10 where the Word of God says, Be still and know that He is God this word know in the Hebrew literally means to be absolutely certain of. The word still means this, stop spinning around in circles. Man, your mind will rape with, with you. You'll be anxious. You, you, you'll, you'll battle with all kinds of emotions if you're not still in the presence of the Lord. I've got three grandchildren and so it's some of the joys of my life to get to walk with my grandchildren. But there are times where they just get all worked up. Maybe they need to tie their shoe, and they don't know how to tie their shoe. And they're saying, Poppy, help me tie my shoe. Poppy, help me tie my shoe. But they're, they're spinning around in circles. They're anxious. And I'll just say, be still, be still, be still. You know, I believe this is exactly what God is trying to say to you and me. In this very unusual season of time, would you just be still? Stop racing around in your mind and know, acknowledge the fact that I am God. You see, when, when we're in the detours of life, it's always part of God's plan, but it also has purpose. And the purpose is God trying to bring you and I to the end of ourselves at a place where we're completely dependent on Him in a place where God moves into action. And this is what we're desperate for. The last thing I want you to see before we wrap up, it's never permanent. And aren't you thankful that these seasons of detour don't last forever? The only thing forever is God in heaven. And so I want you to know that this thing is going to come to an end eventually. It's never permanent. So I'm going to kind of highlight verses 15 through 25. You know the story where Moses lifts his rod, the rod of God, and the, 
Red Sea parts to the right and to the left, and the children of Israel go through on dry ground. And when they reach the other side, the Pharaoh and all of his, his soldiers and these chariots from Egypt are pursuing them, and God releases the waters, and they cover them over like a water grave, and they're delivered in this moment. It comes to an end. The detour that they were on comes to an end. I want you to see some truths here. The truth that I really want you to, to understand and fully grab today is that in these moments, God desires to remove every trace of former bondage in your life. Have you ever thought about this? Why did God allow the ocean to cover over Pharaoh and all of these soldiers? He was erasing all of the pain of the past, all of the brokenness of the past. God is sweeping over that. There's no sight of it. It literally disappears. But then I started wondering the other day about walking across on dry ground. Why does this happen? Well, clearly it's easier to walk on dry ground than sandy, wet, muddy ground. Maybe they're Dry ground was to allow them to pass through a little quicker. But you know the imagery the Lord gave me the other day for the very first time? is I believe this to be true, that God didn't even want them to track the past into the newness of the future. He didn't want the mud prince of Egypt to proceed into the promised land, this new season that they were entering into for the very first time. So God was removing every trace of their former bondage. Maybe this is what God's trying to do for you and I. Maybe it's, it's relational brokenness that God is going to deliver you from. And not even a trace of that brokenness will come into the new season that God has in store for you. Maybe it's financial woes. Maybe God will deliver you from financial woes and you'll never battle with this again. You can put it behind you. Maybe it's the fear of the future that God is replacing with great faith in your heart. Maybe it's a lingering addiction of your life, something that you could not overcome, a stronghold. But when God brings you through, there's not even going to be a trace of that addiction or that stronghold in the new season of your life. Isn't that a great picture? that we're not going to track the mud of Egypt into the new season of promise from the Lord Jesus. Something else that I notice here is that God leads them from terror to trust. You remember earlier they were terrified in chapter 14. I want you to listen real quick to verse 31. Exodus 14, 31. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians... The people feared the Lord. They no longer feared the Egyptians. They feared, they had it all. A respect, a reverence for the Lord. And they put their trust in Him. They moved over from terror to trust, from fear to faith. Maybe this is what God's trying to teach you in this season of time. It's so uncertain. Maybe this is what God's trying to bring into your life through this divine detour, taking you and I the long way around. Final thing I see is that God leads them from pouting to praise. I, I love this. So if you remember, they come to Moses and they said, why did you lead us out here to the Red Sea? We're being pursued by the Egyptians. We, at least we had food back in Egypt. They're pouting. But it turns into praise. As we see what happens as we move into chapter 15 very quickly. Exodus chapter 15 verse 1. It says this, 
Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver have been hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. God moves them from a time of pouting to praise. You know, nobody likes a whiny Christian. Not even God. He, he loves you, but He doesn't like you when you're a whiny Christian. So it's so powerful what the Lord does in this very familiar story. He's removing from their life any trace of former bondage of the old days. They're not carrying that into the land of promise. God's moving them from a place of fear and terror into a place of trust in the Lord. Maybe He's doing this for you. God is moving them from a place of pouting and fear to praise in this moment. Isn't it amazing what happens when God's people begin to praise Him? The Bible says that God inhabits the praise of His children. He dwells within the praise of His children. When you and I begin to lift our voices and our faces and our hands toward, toward glory, he, he dwells in that. He inhabits the praise of His children. Can you imagine what it must have felt like, sounded like, when over two million Israelites who had been bond slave for hundreds of years crossed the Red Sea, see the miraculous power of God, and they're standing in a land of promise and spontaneously... They begin to worship and cry out, I will sing unto the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. He's my God, and I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. I don't know about you, but I'd love to have been in that moment of spontaneous worship to hear the heart cry of the people of God like never before. So, how, how are you handling this? Can we just be honest and real and raw and transparent with each other? How are you handling this season, uh, this divine detour that you're in? God taking you the long way around. W would you trust today that God really has a plan and He's got a plan? Would you begin to acknowledge that today has purpose, the Lord has purpose in the detour? Would you proclaim that this is not permanent, it's not going to last forever, this too shall end? And would you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to remove from you all the weight, the bondage of the past as the Lord ushers you into a new season of blessing and promise? Hey, I'm going to pray in just a moment, but before I do, uh, West Hills, thank you guys again for allowing me to be in your home today and part of this body. But in your small group, I want you to ask these three questions. And some of you answer these. I mean, it's very real with one another in community. Number one, could you discuss in your small group the very clear specific detours that you have faced over the past five months, since mid-March? What are the detours in your life? How have you faced a divine detour? You know, to share those details. Number two, how have these divine detours led you to a place where you trust God now more than ever before? And then thirdly, how have these divine detours brought you to a place that you value deeply Christian community more than ever before? Can you just discuss those things in your group? And as we wrap up our time together, maybe you've been asking yourself the same questions that I ask myself. Will I continue to say yes to God even if I know the divine detours of my life are going to lead me to a place I don't really want to go? 
Would you continue to lead well and follow the Lord even though you know the detour is going to take longer, it's going to be slower, it's going to be harder? I hope you'll find through the power of the Holy Spirit the ability to say yes to these things. Hey, I love you guys so very, very much. Look forward to being able to be with you again in a time of worship and praise real soon. I'm going to pray, and then I want you to begin to dig in and dialogue these questions together. Let me pray. Father, God, we love and praise and bless and honor and glorify the name of Jesus. Father, again, we, we thank you for an old familiar story of how your people were led out of bondage and how you took them a long way around, Lord. And Father, thank you for allowing us to know and be reminded this morning that the divine detours that you bring into our life are always part of your plan. Lord, they always have purpose, and they're never permanent. It's not going to last forever. And so I pray now, as we enter into a season of conversation and dialogue, that we could just be open and honest with one another. May our conversation be well-seasoned with the person of the Holy Spirit. Lord, may you smile from heaven that your kids are getting it today. We pray all this in the powerful and sweet name of Jesus, the one who chose to die rather than live without us. Jesus is his name. Amen. Hey, West Hills, love you all so much. God bless. You're sent.